0: and what they illustrate, right? You got that? Go ahead and say it out loud. Yeah. The next picture says, yeah, that's it right there, man. How did you not get it? The trash bag, cinches, and the zip tie, and the ratchet strap, they're a great illustration of the church, right? Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, maybe we'll see you later. But, um, hey, this is what I want to do right now. Okay, we're going to move forward. And um, we're, going to just, we're going to let that go for a little bit. And uh, what I'd like to do now is we're going to do, uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, open them up to the book of Luke chapter 8, book verse 40. Luke chapter 8, book verse 40. If you don't have your Bible with you, but you have your phone with you, surprise, you have your Bible with you. Just go to your favorite app store, go to uh, UVersion. download uh, the UVersion Bible, and you're ready to roll. And uh, so here we go. Uh, We're going to be looking at a day in the, it's it's not exactly one day, but I'm going to call it a day in the life of Jesus. A day in the life of Jesus. And what we're going to be looking for in this day in the life of Jesus is uh, people that he's associating with. Um, and uh, sort of the proximity of the people that he is associating with and that he's uh, hanging out with and these kind of things. So it's kind of, kind of a day in the life of Jesus and the proximity of the people that are around him. Okay? And uh, we're going to do that. We're going to jump into Luke chapter 8, starting verse 40. And so here we go. Ready? Here it goes. Now, when Jesus returned, we, so he was out and about. He's, he's kind of winding down his earthly ministry. He's got his uh, disciples that are following him wherever he goes. And, um, and so he's making his way from village to village, community to community. And so here it he, so he goes. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd, say a crowd. A crowd, a crowd welcomed him, and they were, all ex, uh, they were all expecting him. So they were kind of, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, right? Then a man, say amen. That a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, synagogue leader, which means uh, he, was a, he was a Jewish guy, and he was yeah. uh, a very well-versed Jew, a well-trained Jew. He worked in the synagogue here, the Jewish temple, right? And the uh, leader, now listen to what he did. He came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl, about 12, was dying. See, you kind of get that picture, right? Big crowd welcomes Jesus. Jarius goes up to him all by himself, says, please come to my house. My daughter is about to die. It says to be continued. We're going to loop back around to that story later on. We're going to come come back to that, okay? And so second is the anticipation is building already. Right, we've talked about zip ties and, 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 and tie-down straps and, and where is he going with all of that? now this story. The, the uh, Luke, Luke chapter Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter nine. So we, we just left uh, sort of towards the end of Luke chapter 8 and we see Jesus has made his way there and Jairus has approached him. And uh, then at the beginning of Luke chapter 9 what Jesus does is he pulls his disciples in. The, the twelve that were closest. And he says, guys, here's what we're going to do now. I want you guys to go off into vill- the villages that are on here. Go village by village. And uh, I want you to now start the work that you're going to be doing, essentially, after he ascends back into heaven, I want you to go tell people about me. I want you to give them the good news, the good news of the gospel, which is essentially they're going to be going into the community, and they're going to be saying, uh, you need to understand uh, that God has promised a long time ago that he would be sending a Messiah, the Messiah has arrived, It's Jesus, and maybe you've heard of him, he's been out healing and teaching people, and he is going to be the Savior of the world. And he's communicating these things to them, and they go off, and he says, now here's what's going to happen. When you go into town, and you start telling people about me, he says, one of two things might happen. He says, uh, you're going to go up to some people, and there's some people there that you're going to say, hi, you know, and I want to tell you uh, what's going on and who the Messiah is. And they're just going to say, no, and they're going to close the door. He says, when that happens, he says, you just dust, you know, wipe, dust off your feet, and go to the next place. And he says, but if they open the door, and they kind of say, oh, we've kind of heard about this guy. We want to know more about him. Come on in. Then he says, just stay there. Tell him. Fill him up. Tell him everything you got to tell him about the kingdom of God and all those kind of things. And so they went out, and they did this uh, ministry for a while, and then they come back after Jesus, come back to Jesus, and then Jesus is kind of like, come on, guys, uh, I want to kind of do a, let's do a breakdown, uh, you know, uh, what happened while you guys were out there. And this takes place, Luke chapter 9, that was 1 through 9, they go out and come back, verse 10. When the apostles, that would be just the 12, the 12 that he sent out, when the, it says, when the apostles, um, the twelve, returned, they reported to Jesus and what they had done, and they were able to heal people and do all kinds of great things you can read about that in 1st 5 Then he took them, the twelve, with him, and they withdrew by themselves off to the town of Bethsaida. Maybe maybe you remember Bethsaida. It was a couple of weeks ago on Palm Sunday. We kind of put a map up there and showed you that uh, Jesus was going to be going through Bethsaida as he made his way uh, down uh, on, the, on the donkey there as he was making the, the, the temple on, on Palm Sunday. It goes, uh, the town called Bethsaida. So, but the crowds, the crowds, and not just the twelve, not just Jesus, the crowds learned about it as they went off to pray by themselves. And so they learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And he healed those who needed healing. Now, late in the afternoon, the 12, the just the 12, uh, came to him, Jesus, and said, send the crowd away so that they can uh, go to the surrounding villages in the countryside. And oh, they're the, the church countryside. They went to the village countryside <laughs> and, and find food. And lodging uh, because uh, we are uh, in a remote place. And so in verses 13 through 16, they, that's when that's when Jesus feeds the 5,000. The disciples come to him, and Jesus says, hey guys, let's go off and pray. But the crowds find him. And uh, they all start showing up. And uh, and they say, well, why don't you send these guys away so they can find something to eat? And Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? Who are they going to feed them? Right? And he gets the five loaves and the five fish, and, and he breaks all of those things, and, and, and he feeds them. And he... So scripture would tell us that there were 5,000 men there. And so if they if they were married and they had a couple of kids, there were 20,000 20, people come out to listen to Jesus. as was a big crowd, big crowd. Mm-hmm. Verse 17, it says, after they fed the 5,000, uh, they all ate and were satisfied. And uh, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken uh, pieces that were left over. I don't know if you've ever been to a potluck. Sometimes you go to a potluck and really kind of skimpy, you know, and, and the potluck's all over, and, and, and the, the table is just wiped out, completely, nothing left, you know what I mean, you're looking around, and like one break, you know, it's like, yeah, and, you know, and, and, but you go to other potlucks, everybody's loaded it up, you know what I mean, everybody's just sitting there, and they're just, they hurt, because they ate so much, and they go over to the table, there's still all kinds of food, Jesus provided the kind of food, potluck, in there, that, uh, they, food left over. Food left over good good, good good day at church, right? Verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, who was a prophet from God, that was out there before telling people that the Messiah is coming." Others say Elijah, who was a prophet from a long time ago. And so others say uh, one of the other prophets of long ago uh, has come back uh, to life. This this crowd, well, when Jesus says, who, who does the crowd say I right am?" That, that's what they said. This Jesus guy's community is important. But then Jesus Not the crowd, not not people that are out there, just you guys that I've been hanging out with. Who do, who do you say I am? And Peter answered. Savior, you are my redeemer, you are my leader, you are the Son of God. Boom. That's who you are. That's who you are. Well, so they were there and they said, Who the crowd say am, who you say I am? Who do you say I am? And then later on he he goes off and he prays again. In um, Luke chapter 9, verse 20 through. About eight days days after, uh, Jesus said uh, this. About eight eight days after, uh, Jesus said this. Uh, He took Peter, John, and James. Just Peter, John, and James. Peter, John, and James. Not the the twelve. Peter, John, and James. With him. And went up onto the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in the glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. What were they talking about? They spoke about his departure. He was going to die on the cross and put him in the grave and come back out of the grave and descend 50 days later up into heaven. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment. So this is an event that we call Transfiguration, and, and Jesus, uh, he's been hanging out with his disciples. and He sends them on a, mission, a kind of missionary journey, and they come back, and they kind of break that down. And then Jesus just goes to Peter, James, and John and says, hey, you guys, come with me. They go up on a mountain, um, and uh, Matthew, I believe, tells us that the clouds kind of come down there. And then uh, his body, Jesus' body literally transforms uh, from his uh, earthly body into his spirit body. And uh, it glows, and then uh, uh, Moses, who's been dead a couple of thousand years, Elijah's been dead a couple of thousand years, they appear, and so now there's this kind of heavenly reunion of a sort, and Peter, James, and I get to kind of witness this thing. And uh, and so they just but just friends, those guys. Not all of them, just those those guys. Good to know, right? And so now we're now we're gonna look back where where do we get started? Where do we get started? Remember Jarius, remember Jarius, and so let's let's review that Jarius story. Uh, Luke chapter eight verse forty-four. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, where they were expecting him. The crowd was expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about twelve, were dying. If you read through the account there. It He goes in against Peter, James, and John again. Nobody else. There's those two. you three to come with me. And then he makes his way over to Jerius' house. When he arrives at the house of Jerius, Jesus said, She is not dead, but asleep. And Jesus she was dead. Apparently, those people that were just kind of out there, they knew more than Jesus did. They they laughed at Jesus. And uh, they laughed at Jesus. No, 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 she's dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Now, what does all of that have to do with the things that So I kind of want to try to bring this all together in an image for you. Kind of a bullseye here. You see, as you read through this, I I call it a day in the life of but It was, you know, stories that were kind of just there that Luke assembles together for us. And then Luke chapter 8 and Luke chapter 9. And there were people that were clearly in the community, right? Jesus sent them out village to village. There were people that were out there in the community. Some of those people, uh, when uh, God-fearing people would go to their house and kind of say, hey, we want to tell you about Jesus, they would say, we're not interested in that. You can go away. And... um, uh, those were probably the people in the crowd uh, that when Jesus comes up, you know, Jairus was there, and he's like, I am so convinced that you are the son of God, and that you have these powers. You can, even if even if she is dead, you can make her a well. You're the Jesus, but there were the people that were in the community, there were people in the community, they just laughed out loud, ha, ah, this guy's a big joke. This Jesus is a joke. So there were people that were out there in the community, that's the way that they saw him. But then there were these crowds, and Jesus, he would go and teach, and then there was this whole other group of people out there, and they were kind of the head-scratchers and the beard-strokers. They knew, who do you say, who does the crowd say I am? Well, maybe he's John the Baptist, or maybe he's Elijah. We're not exactly sure who he is, but what we are convinced of is this Jesus guy, he's an important guy, and we, we would like to know more about him. We're interested. They were seeking. Then, then there was the committed. The committed. Uh, that was, that was the, uh, the apostles, the apostles, the twelve apostles, the, the disciples, twelve disciples, the, all the one became apostles. But then that would also include people like, you hear about Mary and Mary and Martha and Lazarus and, and people that Jesus would go to their home and hang out with them. And, and that, that, was, that was the committed group of people that was close enough to Jesus that if you were to ask them, who do you say I am, they would say, you are the Christ. We know who you are. We are with you. We are for you. You know, Peter was so bold to even say, we'll die for you until things kind of got pushed up against him. And then, and then things kind of changed there a little bit. But uh, they, there's, and so proximity. There were people that were far away from Jesus. And there were people that were, and, and then Jesus even had that, that inner kind of core. And probably that would be the 12 disciples. But, but Jesus was genuinely closer to Peter, James, and John than he was the rest. He was closer to them. And they were closer to him. And there's there's this idea that there is community and the crowd and those that are committed and there's people that are seeking and there are people that are just friends. Listen to this. There was a wide range of closeness and fellowship with Jesus. There was a wide range illustrated of closeness and fellowship with Jesus. Some observations some that were closer to him than others. That's relationships. Jesus had some that were closer to him than others. That's relationship. The more time you spend with someone, the closer you get to Jesus. The more time you spend with Jesus, the closer you get to Jesus. Um, we, uh, <clears throat> uh, a lot of people here, last Sunday, people come and um, some, some people come on Easter uh, and they, they really they don't even want to come to church on Easter, but because it's kind of family tradition, they come and uh, they come because they want to make Grandma happy. They don't want to disappoint Grandma. that, that kind of thing happens. And, uh, but closeness, closeness to Jesus, uh, that has to do with how much time you spend. We did. That's the way it works with anybody, 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 anybody. You've got people that, that you'll say things to them, and they'll say things to you. And you know it's tight, it's good, it's all locked in. There's other things you won't tell somebody those other things because you're not close. What about Jesus? Fellowship with Jesus and each other always went together. Uh, separation and isolation were never intended for those in the family of God. We're not supposed to be apart from one another. Closeness with Jesus and closeness with him. When you When you kind of look at the crowds that were out there, there were people that didn't spend any time with Jesus, and, and they didn't spend any time with them. They didn't know him. But then as you kind of make your way into the core and Christ being at the very center, there were people that spent more time with him and closeness and proximity, and that's the way it's supposed to be in a church family. That's the way it's supposed to work. Like that. Fellowship helps you face life's problems. By support and encouragement. The church is a place of relationship and friendship. That's what the church is supposed to be. Um, you ever notice in, wild, in the wild, this plays out? Look at these pictures. And um, in, the, in the wild, this plays out. Uh, you know what, uh, uh, can, you, can you see those um, You have a, a flock, of birds that come together, you have a herd, of bees, and, and they stick together, and they come together, and, and they hold each other together, and they protect one another. And you ever seen any of those really great videos, or extremely graphic, and if you have a weak stomach, don't go near them. Have you ever watched those really, really awesome videos that are like the, uh, the water buffalo in Africa as they fend off the lion that is attacking the herd? Anybody? 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 <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so you know, you would think that the lion can just go up and take out the water buffalo anytime it wants, right? But what do the water buffalo do? They all back up and they circle up, and then the, and that lion. That lion that comes to attack. They just kind of hook that thing with, and then they and they kick it, and and they they get together and they get really tight. They don't let the enemy come in and, and take them out. It's really cool. Some of those lions, they get kicked really, really hard, and they just kind of put the tail between the right and the right. Even though you might think they should be able to take. There are many analogies for a Christian disconnected from a church? Think a football player without a team. That's just a guy in a goofy outfit, really. I mean, if there's, you know, if not, not playing football, right? Um, think about it. Picture a, a sheep without a flock, a soldier without food, a, a person without a family. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be like that. We you know, what this life. God has a plan that His church is to be like a zip tie. Church to be like a ratchet strap. Church is to be like the cinch strings on that bag, that we would be connected together and pulled in towards the center. Tighter and tighter and tighter, connected to one another, and Jesus Christ at the center of who we are. There were people in Jesus' world that were very far away from Him and would laugh at Him. Jesus just wanted to keep cranking that strap and bringing people in towards Him. That's what the church is to do. Gallup poll, this survey, It said four in ten Americans frequently feel intense loneliness. Some call America a nation of strangers. Um, you remember when, I don't, when Flo started making those commercials, it was just Flo. And now, can you picture the other people that are part? You know, there's the redheaded guy, and, and can you start to picture those other people? You know, the progressive insurance really is not trying to sell you insurance, they're trying to sell you community and family and connectivity. At beer commercials? When you watch beer commercials, they're really not trying to sell you beer. I mean, they want you to buy, they want you to buy beer, but they're not trying to sell you beer. When you watch beer commercials, it's always, you know, there's never one guy, you know, that's sitting out in the middle of nowhere, just, you know, know—he's got a six-pack all by himself, he's crying, right? It's always a party, you know, it's a party, it's a fun atmosphere, lots of people around, and, when I, and so they're selling fellowship, they're selling community, they're selling togetherness, because they know. And created to be connected to our Savior. God says, I got church. I'll throw a big ratchet strap around and just keep, keep pulling on the strings and drawing you in to the center of Christ. Jesus knew this, and that's why he said in the book of John, chapter 13, 34 35, a new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can you picture the big zip ties? Kind of click, 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 click pull. Healthy Christian Fellowship. Now you guys are ready. Some of you guys have been sweating already because you haven't been able to write anything down. Now you can start to write things down. Healthy Christian Fellowship helps healthy Christian fellowship helps us. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, spur one another on towards good works. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 say, two are better than one because they have a good return on their work. If one falls down, his friends can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Healthy Christian fellowship helps us, and that's what the church is to be, a place of healthy Christian fellowship. Next one. Healthy Christian fellowship has accountability. The world can be a very tempting place. We never get so spiritually mature that we don't need gentle kindness, maybe a rebuke, or to remember how to live Opens another. healthy Christian fellowship helps our testimony the world is a pretty skeptical place and they're really not quite sure what they want to think about Jesus. Some of them laugh at Jesus. Some of them mock at Jesus. Some of them will just uh, distance themselves and really want nothing to do with it. But how we Christian fellowship helps our testimony. You know what's interesting about uh, Christian testimony and, and the reality about where our culture is when it comes to Jesus? Some of you guys are old enough to remember 9-11. And maybe you remember that um, the weeks following 9-11 was the highest church attendance in over three decades. After 9-11, people ran and flocked to church. People do that. You know why they do that? Because they know that there is something beyond us that they need to turn and look towards. That's that seeker crowd. That's that crowd of people that are like, I know he's important, but I'm not quite sure how important he is. I'm not sure how much time I want to give to him. I know he's important. And then a tragedy happens, and then people rush in. I've got to see a, a glimpse of that just this last week. About um, uh, two, two weeks ago, um, some of you all know that I lived in Earlham, Iowa, and I preached in a little, little town of 1,200 people for almost 24 years. at preached here. And uh, the school, the entire school district, had 600 students in it. The whole town had 1,200 people in it. And uh, two weeks ago, a little 10 year old boy in that town, both of his Parents are teachers in the community and friends are kids want their church. Um, they asked me to go back and do the funeral. And uh, so Monday I did this funeral in the gym in the, at, at the high school. Little time of 1,200 people or 1,500 people in the gym and then the overflow in the auditorium. You know why that is? Sure, they want to love and support the family, yes of everybody's mind Love one another. It requires action. So, would you be willing to invite someone out to lunch? Would you be willing to invite somebody out to lunch? Somebody maybe they don't go to church. Uh, maybe you don't know them well here, and you want to sort of draw them in, and are you because you know that you have to have you have to connect with Christ. And if the only people that you connect with don't know Christ, then you're going away from Christ and not closer to Christ. And so, would you invite somebody out there? Would you get involved with Kids Club? Kids Club is the reason that we do Kids Club is that we uh, desperately want people in our community. We want to serve their kids. We want them to come and enjoy this place. But we also want to have a relationship with them, a friendship with them, so that if they're on the outside they're kind of looking at church, You know it's important, we're not sure how important it is, and, and we'll never get an opportunity unless you meet them, visit with them, connect with them. So would you be willing to involve yourself with Kids Club? Would you attend, attend Wednesday night Bible study or the men's study by getting connected to the church and to each other we're moving towards Jesus? Last question. people, um, you know, they're, they're out there and they just laugh and they're not quite sure and, and you know, I don't know where you all are in your journey and, and sometimes kids come here because their parents tell them, you know, you have to and they don't even have a choice and even through high school and all that kind of thing. And so what, where are you in your connectivity with Jesus? Are you in the crowd? Are you seeking? Are you wondering? I know he's important, but I don't know what steps to take next. So I, I'm interested. Are you a part of the community? Would you place your membership in the church? Would you go so far as to say this is my church home, and I want other people to know that I'm connected here? That they they grabbed a hold of me and they and they this sounds really bad they zip tied me in, (laughs) but you know what I mean? There was love there. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior you're not sure how to do that what that means, that's a conversation that I just like to sit down and talk and just kind of go through those steps for what it is to be fully committed and connected to Christ and his church. Let's pray. Father, you love us. Father, and we can sort of move up and down and in and out of those circles. Sometimes, Father, every one of us in the room wants to distance ourselves from you because we're embarrassed that we've done things we know that we shouldn't, but you're always at the center, and you're always trying to draw us in. Father, help us to give our lives to you in every way. We ask this.